Hello and welcome to the MSU Reporters Podcast. I'm Max. I'm Alyssa. And we're trying something new this week. We're trying to get some alternative viewpoints uh, from people around campus. So we are joined today, we have the pleasure of being joined with Chris Russert. From, he is the Vice President of the College Democrats. Hi Chris, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, Chris, how, how does the uh, College Democrats kind of work? What's the structure? What do you guys do? What's your, you know, what, what do you do as vice president? Mm-hmm. So we have weekly meetings every week at 630, usually in CSU 204. At those meetings, we do all sorts of different things. Uh, part of it is education. So tonight we're doing something for Black History Month. Part of it is we find ways for our members to get involved, and that's both in the Democratic campaigns and the general elections, or it could be in the primary elections. So we don't endorse candidates, but for example, we've gotten given opportunities for people to go to the Bernie Sanders rally or to get involved in the Elizabeth Warren campaign. Um, we have gone to protests. We went to the youth climate strike this fall. Uh, we are just find ways to get people, and sometimes we just discuss politics. Discussion is a big part of it. So we find ways to get people connected together and get them connected with the rest of our campus and our community. A lot of people come to us, never really have been involved with politics before on an actual level. You know, they have an interest, but the involvement isn't there. And we always try to make that bridge that gap. Gotcha. So the people that are passionate about it, but don't necessarily, aren't necessarily involved with uh, the the, the 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 actual factual politics of it all. That makes sense. Yes. Um, so what is what is yeah? You're the vice president. What's your role? What do you do uh, for the? Is it is an organization? Right. RSO. Yeah. For yeah, it is an official RSO. Um, so the vice president. It's interesting if you actually read the constitution word for word, which we actually did for the first time in a long time, <laughs> a little while ago. Um, it's not something that's really well-defined, okay. um, so it is something that you sort of get to define on your own. Um, the president, Emma, seeks my advice on a lot of different things. I help coordinate events, book rooms. I, you know, People just look to it as sort of a ceremonial leadership. People care what you have to say a little bit more in that position, and if there's any event where our president, Emma, can't do anything, I'm usually the one to step in, whether that's running a meeting or, you know, after she graduates this fall, taking over next year. Gotcha. So you're, you're looking to take over next, is there, do you just kind of, there's no real election or is there? Um, there, there will be an election in October, but until then for like the first month and a right. half, and then usually if you're the incumbent, I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics. <laughs> right, right, that. right. That's just what we're saying. Right yeah, now. the politics of the College of Democrats. <laughs> yes. the, yeah. So uh, how did you fall into that position then? Did you just kind of like run for it or have you always been really interested in politics? How did you join this club? Yeah, so my freshman year of high school, uh, freshman year of college, um, <laughs> I just decided to go to the College Democrats because I thought, you know, it's always something I'm been passionate about and I decided to join and initially my first year I was secretary um, it was always sort of my secret dream to be secretary because I'm a very thorough note taker but um, <laughs> and you know it was something where I was like you know what I'll take a chance I'll go for leadership um, and then this year uh, it had actually been our president Emma had asked me um, uh, if I would be interested in the role because she thought that I would be able to do a good job at it. It's just something I care so much about the College Democrats. Uh, I actually am originally from Nebraska uh, before I went to MSU, so 
it's been a major place where I've been able to get involved with something I care about and people who are interested in the same thing as I am. And so I, I just love getting to play a leadership role in that. Sure. So as for the, the Democratic Party as a whole, what, what kind of draws you to that half of the spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, something, you know, I came from a family that is almost entirely Republican, except for my sister and I, again, from Nebraska. Uh, Pretty red state. <laughs> very red state. Yeah. Um, and so it sort of came about, we talk about, you know, and I sort of entered politics with those presumptions when I was uh, growing up. But then it sort of happened around 2015 when Donald Trump was president. Um, I just remember lots of things started coming up that made me start to question what I really believed and what really aligned with what I believed. Um, part of it, I remember I was sitting in the classroom. Uh, my friend Huda was sitting right next to me. My friend Fatima was sitting across the classroom from me. And I remember we were talking, and they were both Muslim women, and we were talking about President Trump at the time, just Donald Trump running for president. Mm -hmm. um, wanting to ban all Muslims from the country. And I just remember feeling completely ashamed by that. And nobody expected him to even be the Republican nominee, nevertheless the president at that time. But that sort of was very definitive for me. Another thing was I remember there were people that shot down an LGBT um, that would add that to protected classes for Houston's Equal Rights Ordinance. And I remember people were holding signs saying, you know, no men in women's bathrooms. And this reminded me of stuff that I saw with like Anita Bryant with the anti-LGBT. And then one more thing I'd also say <laughs> is I went to a high school where there was a lot of variation in the types of people that went to there and in particular a lot of people of different incomes. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of challenged my idea of, um, you know, are we really a meritocracy? Like how many benefits are certain people going into society that others don't? Sure. And so that sort of helps shape my political worldview. You are a part of the college Democrats. There's also the college Republicans. How does that dynamic kind of work between you two? How do, yeah. you, guys, do you guys have like boxing fights and <laughs> pull out your knives and that pass That would be each a other? good fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we don't have too close of a relationship with them. I remember one time last fall, we did cooperate with them on an event that was a general voter education event. Mm. Uh, we had donuts there, and then we talked <laughs> about the candidates. Um, and then one time this fall, we just went to their meeting one time and just sort of had a conversation with them and sat and listened to that. But we aren't too close. We don't cooperate too much on campus. Um, Sure. But yeah, I mean, we know each other are there, but <laughs> <laughs> how long do you know how long the college Democrats have been on campus? Because they've been around for I mean, I think both sides have been around for a really long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know the specific year okay. we've been around, but it's been a long time. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, that's the those are the parties yeah. that have been around yeah. for anyone. Yeah. Um, so the caucuses, what do you think? What are your <laughs> thoughts? What, I mean, what what do you I mean, do you have uh who do you think is going to take it? What do you think of the Iowa situation? So, yeah, this is something we have a Facebook discussion chat and people have been talking about it nonstop <laughs> for the past couple of days. Yeah. Um, you know, again, this is just my personal thought on it. I think they should get rid of the whole caucus process. I mean, this isn't it's not particularly accessible for people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also think something I read um been reading the thoughts of some state party leaders and one from uh, Nebraska's party leader, which said that state parties, uh, it, 
organized chaos is the only way you can describe a lot of caucuses and a lot of state parties don't have the resource. I know a lot of people love, there's a blame game going around for so many people, you know, is it Hillary Clinton's campaign manager or this person or, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are blaming the Iowa Democratic Party, but they need to invest in the state parties uh, and they need to create a more efficient system, which again, the caucus, I think it's just wild how inefficient it is because it's um, weird if, if, if people don't know the way caucuses work is you basically you get up correct me if i'm wrong but you stand up and then you you say like people who like pete uh, you know pete Buttigieg go to this corner and people who like bernie sanders go to this yeah. corner mm-hmm. and then if you don't have enough people in your little corner then you have to figure out another place to go yeah and then you just kind of argue and try to figure out who gets you know, you just kind of work until everybody's in one corner, or not every, but until one person just has like the. It's pretty much majority. just rallying people. I think it seems like more of like a mob mentality. It's yeah. like come to my side or else right. you have to go to theirs. Well, I think a secret ballot's important in an election, mm-hmm. and then also something that a lot of people in the college Democrats are concerned about is the awarding of delegates, which I'm honestly don't ask me how they're how exactly they're awarded because I don't know. The system's right. confusing. You know, it's something where a lot of Democrats are out there saying we should abolish the Electoral College. And Pete Buttigieg, for example, himself uh, said that, you know, the person with the most votes should win. And then the Democratic Party does it in a system where the most person, the person with the most votes didn't have the most delegates. It's like, should the Democratic Party practice what it preaches there? I mean, it it just, Mm -hmm. yeah. So are you, so going into the Electoral College debate, are you, you're, you're more for the popular vote less for the Electoral College? Or? Yes. Okay. Is that a, is that a pretty universal Democrat uh, view or is that a, is that kind of something new that's come around? I, Cause I, I know that that was a big debate with the Trump uh, Hillary 2016 election because of the, yeah, because the Trump popular would n- did not win the popular vote whatsoever. And like, well, it was, it was, I guess close, it was close. But it wasn't like, it was, yeah. It, yeah. But, but, um, I guess my view of it has always been if we did popular vote, then like one city outvotes the entire, an entire state a lot of times, you know, that, that, that would be my, my, uh, uh, debate to that. With popular vote though, like I know a lot of people talk about that, like one state could outvote the other, but if it was popular vote, would it even like matter about the states then? It would just be like everyone grouped together. Wouldn't it? Well, that's right, my but all the, but, I mean, vote. the United States are designed to be just that, you know, the United States rather. This is just me spouting out. <laughs> but like, you know, the it's it, we're not America. We're not, uh, you know, we're, we're designed to be glued together by the federal government. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, China, well, I know what you're saying. China, yeah, yeah. Like, disagree with me. I want to talk about it. But yeah. But. I guess the way I see it, uh, I'd see it a bit differently. You know, I do come from one of those states where, you know, the cities up here has more people than my entire state. I know what it's like to (laughs) feel like nobody cares about it. You know, it's so insignificant. But I think when you're going to start saying with those like geographic differences that that should that we should change the system where are you going to stop are you going to say people from certain racial groups aren't represented or are you saying people from this group or that group i mean what ends up happening is you know rural white people end up getting a disproportionate amount of things i think if you're going to try and split it up to try and make it fair you're just going to make it over complicated i think one person one vote is not only the most efficient but the right way to do it that's fair um do you think if that was the case, that more people would I mean, move to, I mean, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess would more people would move to the 
the cities or what you know like what because then cities have more stomping power for for elections versus you know you have the 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 less people in uh uh the states you know like nebraska almost stops being it could potentially (laughs) stop being cared about in the the government because it's like it's no longer even iowa doesn't even matter as far as an election (laughs) you know forget about the midwest yeah yeah. (laughs) going back to iowa for a second um i've heard different debates because you know with the whole iowa caucus being why is iowa the 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 chosen people that choose the basically choose the democratic candidate because for the last 20 years correct me if i'm wrong that every every uh uh, election has been, or the, every uh, candidate that the Democratic Party wins Iowa. That was a hard way to say that. Every <laughs> uh, if if the Democratic candidate get, wins Iowa, they win the nomination. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not entirely sure if that's correct. Actually, for everyone, I know it's been the case for Barack Obama. Well, I guess with Hillary. Hillary. But how far back? Yeah, I I can't tell you before 2008. Right. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I I yeah. looked that up. I was because I was curious about that for the last 20 years. That the Republicans are a little different. You can get different yes. people, but but for Democrats, they've been pretty consistent that if you win Iowa, you win the nomination. Um, which is weird because Iowa. You know, a lot of people argue that Iowa is not a representation of the nation you know yeah. mm-hmm. some people i've heard some people are saying uh moving it to like illinois or something more like middle ground everybody's in it you know you have the rural i don't know what, what what's your opinion on iowa being the mm-hmm. the uh go-to well i'm sort of mixed on it um you know i guess one thing is it does mix a lot of thing you know People are talking about Iowa and New Hampshire are extremely white Mm -hmm. compared to the overall Democratic demographic. And so I do think that one of the earliest states should be something like that. But at the same time, I don't think that Iowa's going to go for that. Like, they are very stubborn Mm -hmm. about staying (laughs) with their thing. And, you know, I can feel it. You know, people oftentimes do overlook flyover states. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm from Nebraska, and so... I'm worried that, like, someday I'm going to run for office and I'm going to be running for president in the caucuses and they're going to pull up all the horrible stuff I've said about Iowa because I'm obligated to trash Iowa. (laughs) But I can feel some sort of kinship, you know, having lived in Kansas, Nebraska, Minnesota my entire life with Mm -hmm. them, you know, wanting to... And they take their role very seriously with the caucuses. Right. Um, I've also heard the idea of alternating every... Who the first... Uh, state is for the caucus primary mm-hmm. situation because then it just kind of keeps it changing all the time and yeah, would so that make just it, always get it right and then it wouldn't be it wouldn't necessarily have as much sway in the overall potentially you know I don't know I don't know I, you know it's um I've never heard that before but I think that's a good idea I like th- I like that because then it's you know I mean for everybody because it's not like because Iowa you know it, yeah so I think that's one thing with politics, too. It's very set in its ways, mm-hmm. and, like, any sense of change is really disturbing to some people. They're like, oh, why would we change it? It's been like this forever. And so, like, there's a hesitant hesitancy to change anything. So I sure. think people mm-hmm. are just, like, continuing to go with it and go with it until someone finally says, hey, we should change something. Right. Right. Which I think is what a lot of our candidates are doing now. Like, we have, like, Bernie, for example... I'm just going to, like, outright say it. I am a Bernie fan. (laughs) But Bernie, for example, is a socialist. Like, he claims that. He represents it. He's cool with it. But 
that kind of shakes everyone else because it's like such a different stance than what all the other Democrats are doing. So how do you, how do you take that? Like candidates Mm -hmm. that have such a stark difference from the other democratic candidates, do you think it unites people or gives people more options? Or do you think it's a dividing thing within the Democrat candidacy? Mm -hmm. So, hmm. well, full disclosure, uh, you know, I'm going to put aside the, Chris speaking as vice president of all Democrats. We do not endorse any candidate. We have not since 2016 um, because there was a huge divisive thing in that. I mean, everybody knows who everybody supports, but we, as a leadership, tried to make sure. I am also a Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, I, I actually door knocked for him in Iowa that uh, this past, uh, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before that. Um, I think that what Bernie Sanders has done is he's changed the conversation in the Democratic Party. Uh, You see them all talking about the $15 minimum wage now, where I remember in 2016 that was contentious. You see them actually taking the issue of, like, college affordability seriously because he brought that issue to the forefront. Uh, You see the, you know, candidates running all over, AOC, different people. People are talking about Medicare for all in a way that they weren't before. So I think that, you know, yes, you're going to have to have some, and, you know, divisive, it will get it, and believe me, I know how divisive it can get. But these are needed conversations we can have um, that we need to have, and yeah, I think that if we do it constructively, we can move the country forward because he's changing the conversation again. So we're not in this place where we're just having endless wars where we have an economics. Because if you look back in to history, you know. Reagan changed the conversation, moved the political mm-hmm. spectrum overall to the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I think we're ever going to gain ground for the change we want to see, we have to move it the other way. Right, it's the pendulum. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what they always, I mean, you know, the pendulum of right and left, and eventually we'll just be on a good path, you know. Because <laughs> I think too far in one way, too far in the other, it can be little, you know, we start getting bad, I think, but I think the, the, the average of all, we can be moving in a good direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, or, oh, I lost it. I was gonna say that was one aspect that I thought was really interesting in the conversations that are circulating right now is how people are scared if Bernie gets the Democrat, like, position to run up against, like, Trump, because everyone, for some reason, thinks Trump's going to win. Sorry, guys, inserting my political opinion. <laughs> Bad at not doing it. Anywho, um, that he's not going to beat him because he's not the face of a standard Democrat. It is such, like, a mm-hmm. stark socialist Democrat versus Democrat. Yeah. So do you think... Do you think he can hold the moderates yeah. or take in moderates that would potentially either not vote for either side? You know, because Trump mm-hmm. is on the way right and Bernie's yeah. on the way left, do you think... We don't have, like, a happy know, medium, necessarily. Right. Not to say that he's going to win or should win, etc., but, like, if that's something that's been circulating... But then the, like, the moderates, the, like Biden, aren't yeah. really gaining any sort of, like, excitement from the supporters. Yeah, because so, he did pretty bad. I saw, like... Yeah, fourth place. Yeah, oof. In, in Iowa you're talking about? In mm-hmm. Iowa. Well, they're re-canvassing. Yeah, yeah, we don't know the official. Official, yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess to that point, well, the first thing I'd say before I, I move on to the second, the, the actual question that was asked was, I think that um, Bernie represents the best of what the Democratic Party is. I think, you know, AOC talked about, we want to be the party 
of the Civil Rights Act, the party that brought the Great Society, the New Deal, you know, the anti-war portion of the Democratic Party. So I really think that he represents the Democratic Party uh, very well in that regard. Um, in terms of attracting moderate voters, you know, it's a really tough thing. And I say that as a, you know, Bernie Sanders supporter. I can't say for certain how it will go because on one hand, I do know people, you know, mm -hmm. like my dad has taught, I, I don't know if he still feels this way now, but, you know, he's like, well, I hope the Democrats, you know, don't go crazy and nominate one of the socialists. You know, he'd be considering if people write him off because, and, you know, they will, we don't know the extent to which the Republican messaging will go just after him with, you know, socialist, socialist, mm -hmm. socialist, or with like different things he said in his past that Democrats haven't brought up. But then on the other hand, you know, I've done get out the vote door knocking and I've talked to a lot of people in our group on campus who think that the Democrats take them for granted and they won't go out to vote. But mm -hmm. Bernie has just completely, I've seen a lot of people who don't feel, care about politics otherwise, you know, they just tune out because they're just so, they don't feel like the Democratic Party fights for them and they get excited about Bernie. So right. I think it could go either way. We ultimately don't. No, the votes are counted. Right. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think I felt like in 2016. This is I didn't. I wasn't really in on it. 2016, mm -hmm. um, or that like didn't have my finger to the pulse as much as I do now. But 2016, uh, there was a lot of excitement behind Bernie from the fan, from the his base. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. And I think he almost won Iowa. And if he had did, maybe we'd have a totally different situation. <laughs> Back to Iowa. Right. But. Uh, uh, do you think that the excitement behind Bernie is a different? I I I feel this time that there is a smaller level of excitement for Bernie. Like just, I felt like there was like an electric like following of Bernie back in 2016 that would like pull especially young people out of nowhere to vote. Um, kind of like Trump pulled the the woodworks people out of nowhere too. It's like I feel like we probably if it was Bernie to to Trump, it would have been a different. Yeah. A totally different election. I don't know if he would have won or not, but, you know, I think it would have been a totally different, um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm curious what your perspective is on the energy behind Bernie, because I don't, I haven't seen that electricity that was in mm -hmm. 2016. And that's from, you know, not necessarily being finger on the pulse on the Democratic yeah. Party or anything like that. So one thing I'd say at the start would be, you know, it is interesting to think about where it would be different in 2016 versus now. I think in 2016, Trump was viewed as much more radical than he is now. Mm -hmm. And so then you'd have these people, you know, it would be comparing where now I think people think of Trump as the incumbent and then they're like, ooh, you know, there's this crazy guy trying to go in, change stuff where, you know, if you ask a lot of people, including me, I still think Trump is an extremist. Um, but to the point about the energy behind Bernie. I think that in 2016, there was a real lack of options. Um, yeah. You know, there's just so many different places for people to channel their energy now. You know, you can get behind Elizabeth Warren's campaign, mm -hmm. and that's definitely split up a lot of that wing of the party. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, and a lot of people supported Bernie Sanders because their other option was Hillary Clinton, and she turned mm -hmm. out not to be that strong of a candidate. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, but there definitely is a lot of energy. I know lots of people who are diehard Bernie supporters. I've been Minneapolis rally to the right. rally in Ames, State Fair. I mean, people get excited about this guy in a way they don't about other candidates still. So I still think energy is still there. Um, sure. 
It might just not be broadcasted. Yeah, too. I yeah. may just be missing it. I may have just been, and it probably will spark up more so the minute we get closer to the election and everything like that, too. Um, so some things that the Democratic Party has to overcome with the incumbent Trump you know, to, to win uh, is, you know, e- the economy is pretty solid right now. You know, so they have to somehow, you know, you know like frame it'll be, it they have way. to frame it, maybe not in a bad way, but the frame it that, or how, how are they going to frame the economy to be able to make that a discussion? Because Trump's going to use that, right? Trump's going to say, we're in a pretty good position right now. Yeah. Um, other challenges, we, you know, stability of the nation. We usually have two term presidents unless it's, you know, a whole thing. So that's, a, that's already, a, that's going to be difficult. It always is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what other difficulties do you see? Uh, a Democratic nominee yeah. facing uh, to face Trump because Trump is you know he's gonna he has some he has some pop stopping power to him when it comes to elections somehow you know, he's, <laughs> so yeah that settles somehow right <laughs> yeah the difficulties hmm. like it, you brought up two really good points um, one thing I would say with the economy it's not as much as some people would think it was. If you pull a lot of people, they'd actually say that the tax cuts did not uh, help them as much as they initially anticipated. Sure. Um, there's also something with just like the economy in general. I think someone like Bernie Sanders talking about the economy more broadly, um, you know, a longer term picture. You can look at fluctuations of the stock market, but where it really matters is those long term, um, you know, Trends, but mm-hmm. uh, in terms of difficulties, uh, that's a really good question. Um, just trying to get everyone together, I guess. Uh, you know, someone as you know, as someone who's tried to organize Democrats. We, <laughs> we I mean, some people say that Republicans stick together. A lot better than the Democrats do, and you trying think so? to. I've heard, I, you know, I'm yeah. growing up in a more Republican family too. I've had, I've heard the exact, the exact opposite. Oh, At least I guess the, everyone says. Yeah, that. I guess everybody says about the other. I think because the, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting, but the, the, mm-hmm. I think the, the party is unified in a Democratic. You know, like, I, think I think when it comes down to beating Trump, I think we'll be. Yeah. Yeah, but I think a lot of the messaging from the Republicans and oh, I, I thought of something. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, like, I just think the way Donald Trump campaigns, he is ruthless. Mm-hmm. I watched yeah. the Frontline uh, America's Great Divide thing, and just, like, the techniques he uses, he will find, like, any way. Like, I remember after the Access Hollywood tape, they showed that he had, um, you know, gone out with, like, all these people who accused Bill Clinton of things, and then mm-hmm. just, like, he will go ruthlessly. If you look at it, they're fundraising extremely well. There will be a lot of money behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the messaging, it, it, you know, I don't think he's going to be as uh, censored is not the right word, but, you know, controlled as yeah. the other candidates will. He he will go at it, and those ideas will stick in people's minds. Right. I mean, uh, you, and he, you, they yeah. won't hold him as, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as accountable <laughs> as some of the people, like, I remember, you know, they would probably hold Sarah Palin or George Bush or mm-hmm. something. I remember growing up, they'd be like, they said that, or right. she said she's not a witch, and now, like, that probably wouldn't make news. Trump says it as it is, <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot I, of that has yeah. to come from like Trump already being president. So a lot of people naively just look at it and say, oh, our president wouldn't lie to us. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times he doesn't get fact checked by a couple of his supporters. 
just for the sheer fact that they're like, well, he's president. Well, and the he thing that why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes. I mean, he's a business marketer, right? He's he's brilliant at marketing. You know, like yeah. he's from mm-hmm. that. That's. I mean, you know, you hear Trump and you think, yeah, you know, or before the even before the election, you think Trump and you think successful American dude. You know, like mm-hmm. that's what you. That was like kind of the the thought that you know extravagant whatever. Um, but now you think whatever. But anyway, what I was gonna say is, <laughs> you think now it's. Like, I think of it compared... I always think of Jeb when I think of his ability to just belittle a candidate. Like, Jeb just... Jeb oh, was the... Jeb. Jeb was going to win, right? Like, he was totally... He should have been the, the nominee. But Trump was just like... What did he call him? Uh, like, Sleepy Jeb or something like that? Uh, or, I they remember, all had like, the hands. Who, who got came after for their hands? It was the Rubio... Yeah, that's what it, that's said, who well, it was. He came at him with like the like little, called him Lil Marco. Yeah, yeah. Little, <laughs> hands are little or something that is like so that. So terrible. Lil Marco. <laughs> yeah. He's good at. He has like a nickname for every crooked Hillary. Yeah, and it's marketable and it yeah because yeah, crooked Hillary. I'm sure that Bernie would get a equally non. Well, he does. He know, gets like Bernie. attacked for crazy like Bernie. socialism and things like that. Right. Like he gets well, and stuck even in that. the even in the State of the Union address, he's already starting to. Mm-hmm. Attack socialism and that they're you know using socialism in the negative connotation and everything like that. So it's gonna be a it'll be an interesting election to say the least. Do you, are you confident, tentative, or uh, worried about the upcoming election? Uh, somewhere between worried and tentative. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just sort of well a natural pessimist. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of us just remember 2016 where we really thought we had it in the bag, mm-hmm. yeah, and then we didn't. Um, yeah, it's long sad yeah. pauses. What yeah, we remember, <laughs> right? It... So going back to the recent Trump news, his whole impeachment trial, he was acquitted recently. Um, and then there was the whole ordeal where he got up and started talking about it and basically just trashing the Democrats and saying, like, hey, you guys couldn't win this one. Like, I made it out unscathed. What are your opinions on that? Like, the impeachment process, the trial, all of it, just kind of brief mm-hmm. opinion on that. So my basic thought on it was, as someone viewing it, I just sort of gave up. I, I lost faith <laughs> yeah. in the process. Because it just seemed like a whole circus of, like, people's egos and different mm-hmm. stuff. And, like, we all knew that he was probably going to be acquitted by the Senate. Right. And people were just wait Like, if you look at the media coverage from the 90s of Clinton, like, there was all this. And here it was just sort of flat. Yeah. It was sort of, I don't know. It just, like, and you knew it was going to be pretty much along party lines. And there was just, like, all this back and, like, and, like, you know, I'll give culpability for my own side. Like, I saw Nancy Pelosi going on Bill Maher and being like, oh, you know, p- impeachment is for it and, like, gloating in it. Mm. And then we saw, you know, Republicans gloating in certain. But so it's like, it's just like a whole thing. And I just feel like because I, I do happen to believe that, you know, the impeachment and conviction was warranted, but it seemed like so much of it was just a distraction from, like, actual issues we could be talking about. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, it seemed like it was just kind of brushed over. Like, I know when I would go on my news apps, it would be like, impeachment. But anyways, mm-hmm. back to the yeah, actual yeah. election going on. Yeah, and I think I think the reason, like, you know, back in, like, Clinton days, it was so exciting to watch the impeachment stuff. Is mm-hmm. it was like scandalous, you know? It was like, yeah. ooh, Trump's was kind of like, like what, you know, what did he do? Quid pro? What does that mean? You know, yeah. people, it's just harder to like 
palette versus like Clinton, it was like, ooh, he had sex in his office. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, like that's it was like, you know, tabloids almost, but but this one it was like you talk to you know, it's just confusing, I think, and yeah. so people just weren't like interested understanding and either. understanding and, and yeah. is this the new normal? Right, right. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, the the yeah the impeachment, I think was it could have there could have been talking about different things quicker if it, if that wasn't. So going towards the media coverage, since we're on the topic of it, how do you feel like it's representing its candidates? Because I know certain Democrat Democratic candidates are not getting a lot of coverage, like. Oh goodness! What is his name? It starts with a Y. It's like Yang. yeah, I don't see him very often on news like popular news stations like CNN or CBS and things like that. They give it a lot of a lot of their coverage to bigger names like Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Trump, and the other uh, Republican nominees. So, how do you feel about that coverage not going towards like some of the smaller candidates? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't want to speak too much about it if like I don't have any facts behind it. But like even with Andrew Yang, it wasn't even with like some of the candidates that were pulling way ahead, like Elizabeth Warren. It was with some candidates that were pulling like the exact same as him. Mm-hmm. I saw that there was a discrepancy. So I do think there is a difference. Um, you can't exactly like chalk out what that difference is. I do think like some commentators I could name could be like unfair to Bernie or not, but yeah. Yeah, don't don't say their names. They they listen. They listen. <laughs> don't yeah. be upset with us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, because media coverage is a huge thing. Like I remember looking back and studying the 2016 election with Trump. Like he got so much free coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he barely he was, did any advertising yeah. because he was on the yeah. news every single day. Because he was so scandalous. So I'm wondering how that's going to impact this election because they're like I wouldn't say that all of the news is just primarily about Trump anymore. But I still feel like it's not necessarily being equally distributed. Um, I know, for example, Bernie, going back to him, uh, he's <laughs> utilizing social media a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I just got notification, like, a few hours ago, like, Bernie Sanders is live streaming. So mm-hmm. do you think social media I once is... again have to ask for more money. <laughs> <laughs> once again, ask for your... Yes. <laughs> That's what, isn't that the, the meme? <laughs> right? that meme. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, so do you think social media is helping more in this campaign at all for candidates? Or do you think, like mainstream media like television and things is just where candidates should be focusing on anyways. Well, I think that you can't ignore the impact of social media. I know that's something Trump invested in a lot in the last campaign Mm -hmm. where Clinton did not and you saw the results of that. And (laughs) the last time I paid attention to how much the candidates were spending on that was like at the beginning and like Kamala had invested a lot and the other candidates hadn't, so I don't know how that is, but it's definitely a medium, especially if you want to track, like, younger voters. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where that, but even, like, old people use Facebook. Right. Know? But... <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. So, like, in terms of the media coverage, I don't see it being any different than it was. Uh, well, maybe it's it'll be somewhat different, but then it was in 2016 fundamentally. I think mm-hmm. that same, like, back-and-forth dynamic, them covering, like, the little things he says or things he tweets will be the same. And I think maybe the Democrats will be able to approach it with some knowledge of being able to study how this dynamic has been going on for years and now to manipulate it to their advantage, but I don't know how they strategize that. Uh, bring it back to, to students at MSU. How does the, the, the College of Democrats and the Democratic Party, how do you think they benefit the university and students? What, what is, 
What what can be taken for the university and MSU students from the Democratic Party? Okay, so yeah, um, I think it's something where like the responsibility is really on us to reach out and make sure those opportunities are available. I know you know we're at a time where politics is so intense, where there's so much at stake with uh, student debt, with climate change, with all sorts of issues we're concerned about. And really, how are we going to reach out to people and give them the tools they need to make a difference in this election? Because if you look at, we actually last week did a presentation in our meeting on uh, how different groups engage with politics at different levels, and young people was way down. So if we can um, increase the amount of people who turn out, instead of you know just getting people to tune out because they don't feel like they're educated enough about it or that it's just so nasty they don't want to get involved with that and give them practical ways to do that, I think that's how we're going to make a difference in 2020. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. You're welcome back anytime. Probably have you back whenever more more of the superdelegates, if you're interested, you're just talk about, talk about everything. <laughs> Thanks again for coming in. I'm Max Mayleyden. I'm Alyssa. <laughs> just Alyssa. Just Alyssa. Max, just thinking. I always say my full name. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been the MSU Reporter signing out. Max just likes to say his full name, and I'm never ready to say it.